from Lo-Fi Arts, this is Refigure with Chris and Reefa. A weekly dive into the arts, culture, tech and diversity. Nice. Hello and welcome to Refigure Podcast. I'm Christopher. And I'm Refar. <laughs> you are indeed Refar. How are you? Pretty good. Came back from our mini break to Edinburgh and Dundee. We're going to tell you all about it. Yeah, that's the focus of this week's episode. Our few days away in Bonnie, Scotland. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. I've only ever been to Edinburgh to see the inside of venues or really crappy hotels before. (laughs) And so this time I got to spend a good couple of days wandering around, exploring. It's a beautiful, beautiful city and the light is really different as well. And that's why artists and musicians gravitated to Edinburgh, I think. I completely agree. So we're going to do two different main topics on that trip. But before that, should we do the post bag? Digby sent us a message. Oh, hello, Digby. He's left Brighton. He felt homesick when he listened to us. But thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Sarah Maycock and Tom Williams also have been listening to the point where Sarah Maycock, international artist, painter, listens to us and sort of talks back to us. Well, which oh I think is brilliant. Does that mean she fervently disagrees with what we talk about? No, she loves it. Hello, Tom and Sarah. You're awesome. Tim Norman also. Oh, he's awesome too. Hello, Tim. He sent you a handwritten... He got a piece of paper, got a pen, wrote you a personal note, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, went to the post box, and it magically appeared through the door. That's how post works that's like our grandparents used to do in the olden days in the olden days before the ruining of everything tim's made an album with um, guy who used to be the singer in 80s matchbox beeline disaster they've made an album together all of suicide covers it's fantastic so uh, he sent me a copy of that to listen to and uh, i'll plug it again properly when it comes out but it's really good fabulous thanks everybody who's been listening i appreciate it they don't have to if they don't want to. No, they don't. No one has to do anything they don't want to. Apparently, we live in a democracy. Oh, you haven't seen because you were out all day. I have. Have you seen Theresa May I dancing? Have. <laughs> I have heard and seen quite a lot. Thank awesome. you. Right. We're going to talk about going to Edinburgh to the National Museum of Scotland, but also our special trip to the V&A Dundee, which has just opened in Dundee. Well, let's start with Dundee. So we went there as a day trip from Edinburgh. Yeah. And the V&A in Dundee only opened a few days earlier, right? Yeah, it opened a couple of weekends ago. It's the first museum outside London that the V&A have established anywhere in the world. It's the first design museum, really, specifically for Scotland. Kengo Kuma is the Japanese architect, and it's... A beautiful building, extraordinary architecture, and it looks like a boat. It's a sculpture in itself. It kind of looks like a hull, doesn't it? Maybe even a wrecked hull. Huge wrecked hull of a boat. And then they've added pools of water as you sort of walk to it. So it's 
there's like paddling pools although no one was paddling because it's freezing cold but they're kind of these layered pools of water as you go to the entrance and then of course the other side it's built out over the actual estuary so there's real water behind it and in some of the eating spaces and gathering spaces there are these windows that are angled so you're literally looking out over the open water as you chill out and sit and eat, drink your bad coffee and it's really beautiful really truly beautiful also it's placed right next to RSS Discovery and the Discovery Centre the RSS Discovery is a research ship from about 120 years ago that Shackleton went on Captain Scott of the Antarctic went on the Discovery so that boat which has been preserved and is already a kind of really established Dundee tourist site is now right next to and in front of this extraordinary V&A building the strap line for the project and the V&A is a living room for the city, which is a lovely play of words, but it is like that. It's um, Dundee was a Docklands town and there's not a lot going on there, but it is a real focal point for the whole city now. really enjoyed the exhibition of Scottish design, which was their free permanent exhibition everything from the tartan to modern day inventors i really love the way that they mix the very old with the very new so one of the things that stood out for me was a dress that looked like it'd be influenced by the 1950s uh, but it's dressed by holly fulton and it's silk and leather and it's got beautiful red lips all over it oh yeah yeah the lippy dress and it was inspired by coco chanel but it was made in 2011 next to things that are much older than that yeah right next to much more the classic tartan or whatever yeah. what was really beautiful in the middle of it was the oak room the Rennie Macintosh oak room that they've reconstructed in the middle of the exhibition obviously they have to have a kind of major mainstream focus on the heritage of Scottish design and the Rennie Macintosh room kind of divides the space in two doesn't it so you have to walk right through it to get to the second half of the exhibition and that was really powerful but also it came up right up to date and they included loads of stuff for DC Thompson, the comic books, which is the Beano oh, and the yeah. Dandy that grew up in Dundee, and even right up to date that it's a mecca for computer games making and independent computer game design. And all of that was represented properly, and I wouldn't have necessarily expected to see any of that in there because it's kind of up to date and it's still a bit edgy, but they really covered a lot of ground. Yeah, because I had no idea they had anything to do with Scotland, let alone Dundee. Or... <laughs> Obviously it's just a small part of the exhibition but there's some really beautiful uh, bits of original illustration and we did when we were wandering around Dundee go and have a quick nose at the old uh, Desperate Dan sculpture in the middle of town with Minnie the Minx that's really cute as well so the Scottish Design Gallery is in the V&A basically it's a permanent exhibition that's going to run for 25 years so wow. you've got a good chance to go and see it maybe leave it a while because we went so soon after it opened that it was rammed even on a Wednesday morning but it is very worth seeing overall wouldn't you agree? Yes I thoroughly agree We had lunch at the Flame Tree Cafe in Dundee and I would also highly recommend it it was really nice staff are great LGBT friendly cafe in the middle of town and they did fantastic soup very cheap I had a rainbow colored bagel which I put on Insta and everyone said it looked horrible but I thought it tasted amazing it tasted like a bagel everyone's like it's full of food colorings I'm like yeah but it's rainbow in it it's nice food colouring. It's a rainbow. Food colourings on the side of the progressive angels are better than food colourings for other reasons. Have you just gone to the loo? And 
and we went to the National Museum of Scotland on the next day after our Dundee trip and at the National Museum of Scotland which we haven't been to before anyway so that was great to see we specifically went to rip it up the story of Scottish pop and that was a paid exhibition it cost a tenner and it's open until the 25th of November so what did you think of rip it up I was a bit surprised at how moved I was by this exhibition and a real soppy sod where it comes to um Scottish pop it turns out so watching bands like Altered Images and Strawberry Switchblade made me really like nostalgic for the 80s because those bands that were like whenever there was a woman in a band it was just a different voice for me and there's something about the sort of mix of kind of Scottish feeling of melancholy but with happy music so they explored that quite a lot. They went on about um, the early days, like with Lulu and folk music, but they also talked about the real massive Scottish pop bands like Wet Wet Wet. And I just thought, I'd never really thought about it before. Like, why does it always rain on me, Travis? And um, You Could Have It So Much Better by Franz Ferdinand, Wishing I Was Lucky by Wet Wet Wet, Even Little Bird, Only Yesterday by Strawberry Switchblade, and all the Autumn Images songs are up this weird mix of like happy, sad. I don't know, it's a uniquely Scottish thing, I think. In the exhibition, the person who summed it up best, I thought, slightly unlikely person, was Fish from Marillion, who said a whole thing in one of the interviews about the unique way that Scottish lyricism works and the fact that the music can be very upbeat or rocking or ambitious and kind of vaulting music while the lyrics are... I mean, they are great lyricists up in Scotland, aren't they? I just loved that I could walk around and there were loads of records and bits and bobs that I have in my own collection. They looked at Jason's Mary Chain, Fire Engines, who only had a really, like one hit I think Candy Skins and the Pastels as well so it was like pre-Britpop way before all of that in between like Joy Division and all of those bands there were a whole bunch of like indie bands that people kind of really forgotten now which I thought was really interesting but also there's a whole bit about the Proclaimers and about reclaiming the language and the accent towards the end they talked about the um, equivalent of the Mercury Prize the Scottish Album of the Year Anna Meredith Young Fathers Rachel Ags's band Sacred Paws. I had no idea that they'd won that. So that was really amazing. Made me go and listen to loads of uh, Young Fathers again. I thought it was a fantastic curated exhibition because it had this brilliant mix of the skiffle bands of the 60s right up through to the, all the underground music to even a little bit of Finney Tribe was in there. <laughs> I did think that the Scottish Album of the Year Awards seen from outside felt a lot better curated than the Mercury Prize. And I'm sure if you're up in Scotland making music, you have gripes with it or you have your own... There must be politics around it locally. But from an outsider coming in and looking at their list of winners and thinking the quality of records that the judges are picking compared to the way that the Mercury Prize does it, it's very impressive. It seems very sincere. Yeah. This exhibition is fantastically well-structured, so it goes in a kind of vaguely chronological way, but it has a series of rooms, each of which is built around a short film that runs every five minutes. And around the screen, there's all these kind of exhibits, like a bit like Hard Rock Cafe, there's a bunch of memorabilia, but some of them have stories attached that you listen to in headphones. But every so often, you just stop and focus in and watch the film, and then you kind of go back round the section. And those short films in and of themselves 
were quite enriching and contained really interesting quotes from interesting people. As you say, the sheer breadth of it going from folk to mainstream to punk stuff to, yeah, Finna Tribe in there, like the token Scottish rave band. And I've forgotten they were a really important band. Women were really well represented yeah. as well. The costumes that they've donated, uh, Texas, Shirley Manson, Katie Tunsell, all of their costumes, I just kept thinking that's that's really interesting for a lot of people. You know, design for them means the costumes, the outfits. My friend Tim Connery, who went, uh, noticed the tiny Lulu dress. I, know, I thought just, all the, everybody's costumes were tiny. Yeah, Shirley just Manson makes you think was how, well skinny. How just how small real people are. I agree with you about how emotional it was, and obviously I had my little personal moment of emotion halfway through. I was already quite moved. I'm such a massive Deacon Blue fan that I was getting really carried away with their bit. And then in the mid-90s, just as I came out of college, I was in this band called Magoo. We were one of the early signings to Chemical Underground, which was the record label that the Delgado set up in Glasgow. And I have that as a kind of blur of memory of uh, me just at my very cusp of my early 20s out of college, learning what it's like to be in a touring band for a bit. I was in it for about a year um, before moving to London and before sort of starting my own music career. But... There's this extraordinary moment for me, part of this exhibition dedicated to moving the process of recording up to Scotland. So they had a full-size mixing desk and they had a bunch of artists that had basically fought against the idea that to be a successful Scottish band you had to move to London or go south to England to record. And one of the pioneers of that was Delgado's because they founded a record label, they signed bands that would in some cases turn out to be some of the most iconic important bands in music. So they signed Mogwai and Arab Strap and themselves Delgado's incredibly important somewhat underrated band loads of others as well they're carrying on signing fantastic stuff to this day but they also took over a recording space and they would have bands their own bands and loads of other artists from across genres come in and they created a music community and they created that sense that you could afford to stay in Glasgow anyway the reason I mention it (laughs) is because the first ever Scottish gig that I played, which I was playing in Magoo, was at King Tut's. And the lineup was Delgado's, Arabstrap and Magoo. And it was Arabstrap's first ever gig. And it was Delgado's first ever Chemical Underground label night. And so then there's this poster for the gig framed in the National Museum of Scotland. I didn't even remember the poster. I didn't even remember the, the Magoo logo, even though I was in the band. So it just shot me through with all these personal memories. And of course that makes, the minute you've got a direct personal connection to it, it's so powerful. Well, even like Emma Pollock, she's in the brochure that comes with it, with the sort of um, influential people in the Scottish scene. They've given a little bit of space to them in the magazine. And I just was really proud of it. I just Yeah, it was really good. Proud of her. Yeah. Also, at the very end of the exhibition, there is a beautiful small bit dedicated to Scott Hutchison from Frightened Rabbit. I assume they already had some Frightened Rabbit stuff there. They got some um, of his hand-drawn lyrics and stuff, and they were a pretty important band, so they would have been in there, but they added a lovely little bit, and it was really moving and a nice way to recognise him at the end of the exhibition. Um, It's a fantastic... I don't think we need more superlatives, but it was really good. Really, really good. Really good. If you get a chance... Go and see the exhibition, The Story of Scottish Pop, Rip It Up, at the National Museum of Scotland, which runs until the 25th of November 2018. We went.
went and had the taster menu at Six by Nico, which is this extraordinary restaurant not far from Princess Street where they completely overhaul the menu every six weeks and the menus are on a theme and we got Sicily and it's ridiculously underpriced for one of those posh tasting menus. It's about £28 a head if you don't buy the wine and then if you have wine it's a chunk more but it's well worth it. It was ferociously good food, lovely service, unpretentious. They had an open kitchen but if you weren't near the open kitchen they also had video cameras looking down at the surfaces where they prepare the final dishes so you got to see like them do the last bit where they're putting everything together and it was just a really lovely dining experience. The waiters were pretty hot. Moving on. So that was our trip to Scotland and it was bloody marvellous wasn't it? It was really nice because you don't have to leave the country to have a good time. Well unless Scotland's a different country. We don't need a passport For and now. the currency is different. <laughs> Same. Even since we got back though you've been doing you've been super busy. Yes, doing a level two certificate in equality and diversity because I thought I need a certificate to prove that I know something about diversity. It's been really eye-opening, mainly because it's helpful for me to have some sort of framework when I get asked about diversity, which happens quite a lot. Apparently there are nine protected characteristics. Did you know that? I didn't. You can't be discriminated against your age, your pregnancy, maternity, that sort of thing, race, gender, sexual orientation... All that sort of stuff. It's very interesting. Anyway, doing that, it's quite an intense little course. It's supposed to take me 10 weeks to do a module and I did one in a weekend. So that's good. But also, I need to tell you that I went to the Marlborough Theatre. They were doing a fundraiser, which you can still add your donation to. And it runs till the middle of November. They have a lot of different things going on. But I saw an amazing poet called C Sharp, S-E-A Sharp. They did a brilliant performance. Their stuff on YouTube is much more like the usual kind of thing that you expect. Somebody comes up to a mic, introduces themselves, does their thing. This was in a whole different league. This was like an epic monologue that had so many different layers of meaning to it and the metaphorical magic realism of it all. And I can't really describe it, but but anyway, I had a really good time there and please support them because it's a really important space in Brighton for well in the country there's nothing else like it what's that web address where people can give them some money if they're familiar with the Marlborough and the work they do marlboroughtheatre.org.uk and there's details of their crowdfunder on there what are you reading for 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 what are you reading Chris what I was planning to read this week was a classic example of nature writing that I was kindly given as a birthday gift by Charlie Peverett and Jem Watley. So thank you very much. They gave me a copy of The Peregrine by J.A. Baker, which is one of the seminal ur-texts of nature writing. A what text? An ur-text. And Baker is a fascinating character because he basically was completely anonymous. Nobody knew anything about him. He wrote two books that were both hugely acclaimed, and certainly this one has become a quite a legendary book. And then he vanished again and, and lived a quiet life and no one really knew anything about him again. The Peregrine's one of the big influences on Robert McFarlane. And that's not even what I did read, that's what I was going to read. But then my dear friend Jim Bob 
from Carter USM has sent me a preview copy that hasn't even been proofed yet of a memoir that he's written which is called Jim Bob from Carter basically and it's not out till next year so I can't tell you anything about it but I have guzzled it down in the last couple of days and it follows his career from after Carter USM split up in the late 90s through the band he did next into his solo career and also his move into writing and becoming a novelist and it's hilarious but it's also surprisingly moving it's a beautiful book i think it's out in march next year it's called jim bob from carter in the shadow of my former self so i guess it's about reconciling himself with always being jim bob from carter really it's a wonderful book are you in it yeah i am in it loads <laughs> I'm in am it. i in it you're in it once brilliant you're in it very briefly and it doesn't say anything rude about you awesome so it's cool. that's all i can wish for isn't it that's actually the reason i've got a copy is i was supposed to look for it and check that he hasn't libeled me but he hasn't i couldn't deny any of it so what have you been reading reefer i can't really top that my mate has written a book about me <laughs> it is it's entirely about me bless him has he listened to the podcast? Uh, I think he has. I'm not 100% sure. So what are you reading for Reefer? I love the shops in museums and galleries because they have books that you might want to read. So one of the books that I've always wanted to read, and I don't know why I haven't, because it's such a short little book, is called The Medium is the Massage. And it explains right at the end why it's called The Medium is the Massage, not the Message by Marshall McLuhan and Quentin Fior. It's a book that's along the lines of the Ways of Seeing book, if you know that, by John Berger, which has loads of illustrations. Both books are really ahead of their time, but this one obviously focuses, or not obviously, but it focuses on the media. But it's kind of confusing sometimes because um, it was written in the 60s. It's about the growth of technology shaping society and our perceptions. So it links with that exhibition that we talked about last week about the future. And uh, I saw a slogan the other day, like, what are we gonna do with all this future? <laughs> in a little shop in Brighton that makes handmade bags and you just write slogans on bags, they're really punk. Anyway, but then it got updated in the 90s. So then there are some stuff around there about technology. And I'm thinking, are they talking about the internet or are they talking about television? I think I'm overthinking it basically because he uses a bit of humour and it's a bit more about advertising I should think talks about how we're all connected and about how before visual before writing even we weren't visual people we don't communicate in a visual way we communicate with our whole selves like you'd only experience something if you personally had experienced it before printing happened and that we could all read and experience someone else's experience through words, if that makes sense. In fact, let me just read the very last thing in it, which is a comic that came out at the same time. And it's from the uh, New Yorker magazine, 1966. And a kid's trying to explain to his dad in a library full of books. He's got a guitar with him. So it's all about youth. It's almost like young people versus old people and how you know you don't really understand anything about technology. You see, Dad, Professor McLuhan says that the environment that man creates becomes his medium for defining his role in it. The invention of type created linear or sequential thought, separating thought from action. Now, with TV and folk singing, thought and action are closer and social involvement is greater. We again live in a village. Get it? It's basically what the whole book's about. 
halfway through that I thought I don't understand this and then at the end I thought oh I totally understand this and maybe the seismic cultural shifts that are happening from social media which even further closes the gap between thought and expression because basically now if we think something we can immediately share it and publish it or whatever we want whatever language we want to use that's almost like the next step of what that kid's saying isn't it definitely and also it says you know that he predicted the pervasive rise of modern mass media and up to the minute news broadcasts and media global village so he's only even talking about television like we've gone way beyond that to like yeah. making things that are thinking for us sometimes in episodes of the west wing they worry about the news getting out the next day <laughs> and in that podcast about the clinton impeachment when the drudge report website breaks the story about monica Lewinsky on their website it's three days before a newspaper covers it. In the 90s, when I was at college, and my friend told me, and I only had one friend that was into Nirvana, told me that Kurt Cobain had died. I didn't believe her, and I waited for two weeks before the fucking Melody Maker came out to tell me it was true. Wow. I've had my head down for quite some time with music, and I have been avoiding bands with boys in for some reason. And so when I saw Idols on Later with Jules Holland, I was like, oh, not a bunch of beardy white blokes again. And actually, I'm hooked. I'm behind the curve with this one. I know everybody's like, it's their new favourite band already. But I'm so excited by this band, mainly because of their really moving, vulnerable lyrics. And then I started listening to Young Fathers, same. It's like boys with feelings. And then Brockhampton's new album, which you mentioned the other day, started listening to that. So then I'm all in the game now. And I'm getting obsessed because I can't get a ticket to see Idols. But I will. I'm going to buy a hook or buy a crook. I'm going to get a ticket to see them. But anyway, I bought a T-shirt. It's the main thing I did. Plus, I love that I've you're like doing... showing off the T-shirt on your body when it's an audio podcast. I know. Well, it's I a put a picture of it on Insta. It is a good it's T-shirt. It's a really good one. It's got Idols on it. And then it's got flowers. And then they've labelled the flowers rude words. And on that bombshell. That was really good. I enjoyed that. Nice one. I'm, I'm, can I read this after you finished it? It's I done. haven't, I I haven't read it. Oh, it's brilliant. A, it's a quick read. Marshall McLuhan. Thank you so much for listening again. If you are enjoying our podcast series, refigure. Leave us a nice review. Tell your friends. You are our marketing team because we don't have any marketing. Uh, find us on Instagram at Refigure UK and find us on Facebook at Refigure Pod. That's facebook.com slash Refigure Pod. Come and say hello. It'd be lovely to hear from you. Is there another way we sign out? No, there isn't. We just say bye, don't we? Cheerio. Cheers, my dears. And we're out. Fine.